we have a politically diverse body here at LCF. And when handled correctly, embraced gently, this can be a wonderful thing for each of us. It's a gift of God's grace that helps us think broadly and thoroughly about the myriad of issues that exist in modern civil and social life. When Friday's Supreme Court decision in the case of Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization was released, reversing the 1973 Roe v. Wade decision that has been legal precedent in America for approaching 50 years regarding abortion, many in this congregation and across the nation took to social media to share their thoughts and opinions. It was no surprise to me that both the individual messages I received and the public posts I read from members of this congregation were broad and diverse in emotion, thought, and reaction. Though we as a pastoral staff elected not to make any comment back in May when a draft of this decision was released to the public, I have decided that a pastoral word at this moment is both necessary and prudent. We live in a world created by God, broken by sin, redeemed by the Son, one that is being renewed by the people of God, according to the word of God, who are empowered by the spirit of God and live with the loving ethic of the power of the kingdom of God. It's a world that will one day be fully restored and recreated when the Son returns to collect his people and put an end to sin and Satan. And throughout Christianity's history, from the pinning of scripture through our current day, the uniqueness of the Christian worldview and ethic is that it seeks human flourishing, physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. Human flourishing in this world according to God's word. When lived out in its purest, most beautiful, most biblical, most faithfully Christ-like manner, Christianity seeks such thriving and flourishing on behalf of all people. Why do the early books of scripture contain the seemingly mundane civil laws that they do? so that God's people would flourish? Why does God make a covenant promise with Abraham that through him all the nations of the earth would be blessed so that humanity would flourish? Why does God send the son to die in, a place, in the place of sinful humanity so that humanity would flourish? Why does Jesus heal blind men, paralyzed individuals, bleeding women? Why does he cast out demons? Why does he stop the stoning of a woman caught in adultery and then tell her to go and sin no more? Why does Jesus tell a Pharisee that he really needs to be born again of water and the Spirit so that humanity would thrive? Why do we take the gospel to the nations so that humanity would flourish and thrive? Why did early Christians rescue babies who were discarded and left for dead in the Roman Empire? Why did Christians in the Middle Ages stay in cities ravaged by the plague to care for the sick and the dying? Why have Christians throughout history led the way in the founding of hospitals and orphanages and crisis pregnancy centers, engaging in foster care and adoption so that humanity could flourish and thrive? For the people of God, the fight for the life of the unborn in America since the 1970s has it included, but certainly never been solely about the overturning of a single piece of legal precedent in a vacuum. The fight has been for the thriving and flourishing of human life according to the word of God. And unfortunately, both sides of our politicized and polarized world have often sought to reduce that fight to a debate over one significant Supreme Court precedent. 
obviously, life cannot thrive if it is not given the chance to exist. The people of God partner with a God who is life-giving, life-creating. The people of God are to be people who champion life. For that reason, Friday's judgment is reason for rejoicing. At the same time, mere existence in the world is not the flourishing life that God has in mind for the people that he has created in his image. It represents, or excuse me, this decision represents an important benchmark in a five decades long struggle, but it is not the finish line. Followers of Jesus must continue to work personally, collectively, and civically for a world and society that allows for all of humanity to flourish and thrive in the world that God has created. This requires continuing to work against the realities of sin and brokenness in our world that can be so devastating for so many. With empathy, grace, and gentleness, we must continue to listen to those who have felt and will continue to feel as though their everyday circumstances are not such that they and their child could survive, let alone thrive, in this world. Their stories and cries ought to motivate us to come alongside them in their current circumstances, but also to address the larger issues that make those circumstances reality. We must continue to work with courage and boldness to address those issues through our personal relationships, our collective churches, and our political involvement. LCF has a long history of doing this sort of work through our partnership with the Liberty Women's Clinic, a crisis pregnancy center right here in the Northland that not only advocates for the life of unborn babies, but also takes seriously the task of walking alongside scared, often hopeless mothers during and after their pregnancy that both a baby and the family would flourish and thrive. This work will be every bit as, maybe even more important in the days ahead than it has ever been. By God's grace, guided by scripture, with our eyes fixed on the glory of God and the beauty of Jesus, my prayer is that this church and others across the country would move toward the hurting, the scared, the angry, the confused, the outraged, the aggressive, and even the open mocker of Christianity. My prayer is that we would engage with the issues that affect the unborn, the aged, the poor, the newly pregnant, the disadvantaged, the marginalized, the often overlooked, and all others as we navigate the days and weeks ahead, and that we would do so with the patience, humility, and love of Jesus as we use our time and resources in order to work toward humanity's thriving and flourishing in the world that God has created according to his word and for his glory. I want to offer just a handful of pastoral encouragements before we go as we as a church continue to engage with this issue. The first is this. Resist the urge to reduce those who disagree with you to a caricature. Whichever side of that you find yourself on, and whatever the opposition to that includes, resist the urge to reduce that individual to the worst possible caricature of their position and their thought. Number two, have more conversation across tables than from behind keyboards. We will do far more as followers of Jesus in actual embodied relationship with one another than we will on social media. And I say that as someone who has made every social media mistake available on just about every possible issue. 
Number three, cultivate a posture of humility in contentious conversation. This is something that our society as a whole is trying to relearn on a host of issues. Number four, I would encourage you to read Missouri's legislation so that you're informed about what Friday's Supreme Court decision and Missouri's trigger law mean for women and the unborn here in the state of Missouri. It's important that we not share or state information that's not true. It's also important that we understand what those who are scared or afraid of this decision are actually scared and afraid about. It could be that we are able to calm someone's fears by accurately representing legislation that was recently put into effect here in the state of Missouri. Is it easy to read legislation? Nope, I did it yesterday. It was wildly confusing at times. I will have to read it again. But I would encourage you to do so. Next, as the pastor of this local congregation, I would encourage each and every one of us to engage daily in the work that makes LCF a place where all feel welcome. If the statistics are true, it is the case that a number of women who will come in here for services over the course of this morning have had an abortion. It is the case that many of those women have never mentioned that to anyone because doing so would involve deep shame, feelings of guilt and judgment. If you've had an abortion in the past, I want you to hear from me in this moment that you are welcome here. That you are loved deeply. That abortion is not a sin that is unforgivable, makes you unlovable in any sort of way. This is a place that loves you. It cares deeply about your flourishing and your thriving in life. And that there are people here who, should you become pregnant again, would genuinely do whatever is necessary to help you and that child flourish and thrive in your life, in the world that God has created for his glory. But this also has to be a place that's welcoming for those who would find themselves in a position of an unexpected pregnancy. Oftentimes, women in churches find themselves in a pregnancy that they didn't expect, potentially did not want, and then battle the shame, the competing shames of possibly getting an abortion or showing up to church pregnant. I want you to hear from me as the pastor of this church that should you find yourself in that position in the future, you are loved. This church will love you. This church will love that child with you. And that at least as far as it concerns me, you will not need to bear shame in the midst of that pregnancy in this place. Brothers and sisters in Christ, I pray that each and every one of us would engage in the daily work necessary to make LCF the kind of place that would make all of those things true inside the walls of this church and as this church goes out into the world. And then finally, 
Let us be a people who are committed to living personal lives and engaging in political and civil activity that seeks the thriving and the flourishing of all people according to God's word. That absolutely includes the ongoing fight for life, but it also includes relational, corporate, as well as civil engagement on any number of issues informed by the word of God for the glory of God so that people might flourish in his world. My prayer is that we would be a church who seeks unashamedly to set up conditions in this world according to the kingdom of God whereby people can flourish and thrive. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you for each and every wonderful and unique life that you bring into this world. God, we pray that each and every one of those lives would have the opportunity to flourish, to thrive. God, we pray that that would be the case spiritually, and for that reason, we boldly and unashamedly share the beauty and the truth of the gospel. God, we pray that that would be the case physically, tangibly, and so we work individually, collectively, and also civilly in our world that the conditions that exist in this country and in our spheres of influence would be such that people have the opportunity to flourish. God, would you lead us and guide us in that? Would you give us postures that engage in that process, not just according to the word of God, but also according to the disposition and the model of Jesus? God, would you help us to be people who do not reduce our, whether it be ideological or political opponents into caricatures so that we might dismiss them, Lord, but instead would you help us to extend to them the respect and the dignity that they deserve even when we disagree? God, would you lead us into conversation, embodied conversation with one another and help us to have grace and patience and willingness to listen in the midst of those conversations. Would you teach us an attitude of humility? Would your spirit empower this congregation to engage in the daily work internally as individuals, but also collectively as a church that makes this place a place that truly is a refuge for those who find themselves in pain? That this is a place that holds high the beauty and the wonder of Jesus and his love for each and every individual. God, that's hard work in our current day. But would your spirit empower it inside each and every one of us? God, there is reason to rejoice and to celebrate the protection of life 
But I pray that in doing our celebrating and rejoicing, we would not overlook those who find themselves scared or afraid or uncertain about what Friday's decision might mean for their future, but instead that we would be people who show what flourishing life can look like. We would be people who work to make it reality. God, empower us by your spirit toward that end, we pray for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for being here. I love you guys. If you're new, welcome. <laughs> but also, uh, but also on the last Sunday of each month, right out these middle doors here, our pastoral staff and others from our church are available. If you want to ask any questions or get to know our church a little bit better, I would encourage you uh, to go out those back doors. We'd love to engage with you. Thanks for being here. We love you. Have a great day.